I did I, I did have a baby Yoda meme in my on my slides the other day. Yes. Yep. High quality. Yeah. Yep. We support. And I told him I said, if you don't like this, you are wrong. <laughs> Your opinion is incorrect. Because it's These not an opinion. You can't have an opinion about objective fact. And Yoda, <laughs> baby Yoda memes are objectively good. Exactly. Exactly. Anthony Which has means... established himself as the best teacher. It's true. Just, just that. Yeah. Right there. That's all it took. Exactly. And so that that's objective fact now. Nobody can dispute it, Anthony. You are the greatest teacher in the history of education. I love it. I will take that to the grave. Hello, and welcome to the Q4 podcast. <laughs> the only podcast, <laughs> the only podcast where you can find Anthony Mahaddy talking about the plural forms of octopus. Um, I'm your host, one of your hosts, TJ Birnbaum, joined by Noah Brown and Anthony Mahaddy. How are you guys today? Doing well. Yeah, we're, doing well. We're hanging in there. Uh, yep. It's early, but well, it, it, it's good. We'll we'll be fine. We'll be fine. Yeah, nothing we haven't done before. Exactly. We've done this uh, what eleven times now, I think. Something like that, yeah. I think so. Yeah, that's pretty good. This show is getting established. We're becoming a, a part of the podcasting community. Oh yeah. Hey, uh, update from show last week. Uh, how many sponsors do we have now? Are we up, are we in double, double digits or are we still? Oh, we're still at just still me. Month. So okay, good. Okay, good. Well, if we haven't gone down, which we is have good. not gone down. I have not stopped sponsoring the show. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm sure yeah. if we just like walked around our respective uh, towns, we could and just asked like, hey. Do you want to sponsor our podcast? We could probably find someone to do it. I feel oh, like yeah. I would probably get beaten before I got a good response from that. Whatever it takes. No. How committed are you to this show, TJ? <laughs> Not that committed. <laughs> well, then what's the point? <laughs> yeah, what are we doing then? Come on, what's it all for? For funsies. That's true. <laughs> you know what? That's fair. It is fair. You know what else is fair? Question one. Okay. Yeah, we're just segue. Eight and a half out of twenty-four. Ooh, that's not nice. great. We're bringing that's back the uh, the twenty-four point grading scale. Here. I appreciate bringing yeah. back the twenty-four point scale, but I don't appreciate the score you gave me. Well, do better next time, and then you'll get Suck a better it up. <laughs> Question one. Uh, the Minnesota Wild have gone from being the worst team in the league to being just below the middle of the pack, prepping for another completely mediocre season. This begs the question, in any sport, is it better to play your best with a middle-of-the-road team and hope for a good break, or trade away for future value and tank the season? You know, I think this goes back. You you find these stories in any sporting league, and as as a Cardinals fan, for me, I go back to the 2006 World Series. Uh, but you can look at like the 2007 Giants, uh, the 2012 Giants. Uh, I mean, just last year with with the uh, 2019 Blues. And there are always stories of these these teams who uh, are very average on paper, who don't have a lot of talent, who don't really have. Uh, a lot going for them. I mean, I'll use the the, the 2006 Cardinals as a as a the example here, where they backed into the postseason uh, with two wins above 500. They were 83 and 81, I believe, uh, right around there. And I don't know, they just got hot, and they went on uh, a, a fantastic run and ended up winning the World Series that year. And so when you tank, you actively invite not only your your fan base to give up to stop supporting the team but you're also inviting your coaches and your players to stop trying 
And you're going to be hard-pressed to find anyone in the league, uh, in any league, on any team, uh, who's going to be okay with tanking. I mean, just take take a look at the Miami Dolphins this season. Uh, the front office was very clear at the beginning of the season uh, that they gave up <laughs> before the season even started. They, they were tanking. They were going for that first overall pick, uh, and they were selling off talent, and they were going to try again next year. Uh, but the coaching staff and the players are like, no. I mean, we are professional football people we're we're playing this game for a living this is our livelihood this is our passion and sure they're not great this season but they're three and ten and are better than several teams in the league right now i think what they're in position for the is it the 29th or the 30th overall pick if the season ended today um so really i think it i guess it's preference on on what you want you're going to be hard-pressed to find anybody who uh, is going to be okay with a loss season. I think even if you're a mediocre team, there are several ways in which you can go about and have a successful season. Uh, and so tanking just as appealing as it might be for, for draft capital, for, for other benefits, it just seems kind of dumb. So I, I will always oppose tanking a season. Yeah, it's it's – it's really dependent on where you're at in the franchise too. When we talked about the NFL last week and we talked about, uh, I think it was TJ who brought it up saying like, you just have to accept what you are, accept where you are and just take some time and rebuild. And I think those are for, for teams that have been at the bottom and have been at the bottom for the for a while, like basketball reference, like the New York Knicks, uh, the wild have been someone who have been, okay in the regular season and have been awful in the playoffs so i say keep going keep doing what you're doing make minor adjustments here and there we have new management um this year i don't know how much longer boudreaux is going to be in there so i say just keep going and you you have no idea what a championship can do for your franchise too that can easily turn things around i mean another nba reference sorry this is this is where i go to uh Toronto Raptors win the NBA Finals last year. Kawhi leaves, but they got their championship. And now people in Toronto are starting to believe in them again, and they're in fifth place in the East right now. So I think a championship can do more, and winning can do more for fixing your franchise than sitting back and saying, I hope we can draft well, and I hope these draft players work out. It's just it's a safer bet, in my opinion. Yeah, and for the Wild specifically, I the reason I asked this question was because their situation over the past few years reminded me of it, but I don't know that they're in this situation I described this year because last year they did a semi-rebuild and tank where halfway through the season they traded away their you know four or five players that they got uh, yeah. you know six or seven years ago when they were like, this is going to be our future team didn't work out they traded him away so this year is actually super interesting for the wild specifically because they may end up going out in the first round of the playoffs like they always do but it's a completely different team so i think that kind of goes in a way of or it goes to show that maybe tanking doesn't necessarily involve just giving up and losing all of your games but the the tank slash rebuilds, you know, the words are kind of fuzzy. But you know, halfway through the season, if you're if you're looking at a team that's going to finish eighth in the Western Conference again, you should maybe switch something up. And the Wild did that and still finished eighth. Um, so this year is going to be super interesting to see if they'll actually do anything different with a different team. Um, and Noah, what you mentioned about you know like the the giants and the blues and the uh, cardinals um it is really interesting to think about you know the halfway through a season if you're looking at a team that's going to finish the same way it's finished you know the last 10 years do you start trading your players away do you start rebuilding or do you just keep going and hoping that it'll make a break not necessarily tanking the season but do you make some some big moves for maybe in the MLB, do you make some moves for prospects or uh, in the NFL, do you make some moves for, for younger players? Well, and I think there are, are different ways to go about it. And so this is kind of the, uh, I guess not, it really wasn't a tanking move, but if you look last season, the Cowboys were 
in a very similar situation where they they started off the the year three and five and it looked like they were going nowhere uh they traded away their first round pick to oakland for amari cooper uh and ended up going 10 and 6 that season um and unfortunately uh their playoffs went the same way that <laughs> they've always gone under jason garrett we're not you know i promised myself we're not going to talk about jason garrett this week so <laughs> I'm, I'm not even not even going to go there but uh but no it, it was you know sometimes it just you need one or two moves and that'll that'll revitalize your team that'll get you right back in there i think that's a a specific instance um but yeah so obviously you know you're always trying to make adjustments throughout the season whatever team you're on you're trying to particularly if things are not going well um so i i'm going back tanking just it just seems lazy it just seems like you're you're giving up like like you're forfeiting because you are you're forfeiting that season so i'd much rather try and adjust the talent that you have and say okay maybe we can give up some instead of saying oh we're going to give up some players for draft capital maybe give up some draft capital for players i mean i think that works a little bit better in the nfl than in other sports um particularly in you know like in major league baseball where you have you know four levels of the of the league you know three levels of of minor leagues um it it is easier to kind of deal with prospects and everything um but really uh, tanking i don't know and i'm speaking as a a fan who's my teams have always i don't know if relevant is the right word but they've always been competitive whether it's in their own division whether it's in the league itself um so it's easier for me to say, oh, just you know, try and make a couple moves and, and, and stay competitive. Um, but I, I just hate seeing tanking. So I'd, I'd rather see some teams try and make some moves to be good this year than say, okay, we're just going to trade away some people and we'll get them next year. Right. And if I'm, a, if I'm a professional player in whatever sport and I get the smallest sense of my team is tanking, that would piss me off to the next level because that is management saying, all of you are not good enough and it's all your fault. So we are going to try to get new people to do your job. It's not management looking at themselves because if they were doing that, then they would be going out and getting players like you were saying, Noah. They wouldn't be waiting for some new person to come in and, and take the role and do it how they want to do it. Maybe that's the time that management needs to look at themselves and switch things up. So if I'm a player and and I think this was with the Twins uh in oh gosh i don't remember what year but four maybe four or five years ago one of our last years with brian dozier and and joe mauer but we started trading people away and the twins went on this huge like seven game winning streak or something like that and they're like no screw you we can still play and we still have a chance so don't just offload all of our players for next year because we can still go and that's the competitive spirit of the player and you can't you can't take that away from them just by saying oh we'll try again next year. That's I think you're doing a disservice to your players in that in that realm, and that's just that would just tick me off if I was a player. So another follow up uh, is in your guys' opinion is there a difference between rebuilding and tanking? Like what the Twins did, where they traded away a lot of their power players. I mean, you look at uh, no, it was, it was last year. Right. Yeah. Last year where they traded away <clears throat> Brian Dozier and Eduardo Escobar, <clears throat> excuse me, um, and a couple other you know, big names from the Twins. And the Twins still finished pretty well. They were in the wild card game um, because you have like there's the understanding that everyone on the team is a professional baseball player. Everyone here knows how to play the game and can play it at a high level. So is it possible to enter a rebuilding phase where you are trading players away, shopping players around, and still have a a win mentality where we're going to go out and win a playoff game even without our superstars and prepping for you know a bigger, more powerhouse push next year? Oh, absolutely. And I think you answered your own question there. Well, really, it comes down to the motivations of the team, where tanking, you're giving up. But you can enter a rebuild and say, okay, we're going to field the team that we have uh, while still gearing up for the future. Because uh, we go back to the beginning of the question where several teams, despite having you know not a whole lot of star power, have gone on to win championships. And so it, anything is possible. So when you're, when you're rebuilding, yeah, you can trade away some pieces that just aren't working out if they're older, if they're costing a little too much money, if they just, they're not fitting the system that you're in. Um, 
yeah, you can trade those away and and try and and build some capital, but you're still in that sense, you still have an eye on this year saying, okay, I have enough confidence in our guys to go out uh, and and win some ball games for us. And sure, may, we may not win the championship this season, but you're not actively saying, oh, yeah, we're just going to be bad this whole season. Uh, so I, I do think there's a, a difference between rebuild uh, and tanking. And also, I think I think of rebuild more in the in the off season. When you have you know the free agents uh, or free agency is open, uh, trades are are made more readily. Uh, really, that's where you can kind of start to rebuild that roster. So I, I see rebuilds as kind of starting more in in the off season, whereas tanking that that's a whole year long process, and that starts in the season where you're intentionally trying to lose games. Yeah, and I think it depends on the sport you're talking about too. I mean, in hockey, in maybe hockey more so, but. In, in baseball and in football, one player is not going to literally change your team unless it's a once-in-a-lifetime player. But in, in basketball and in hockey, there's a lot less people on the field or on the court or on the ice at the same time. So, I mean, if you draft a LeBron James, it's going to greatly impact your team and it's going to make your team a lot better. But I, I still I agree with the word Noah used or the, the term he used. He said giving up and, and tanking is giving up. And that I don't think is, is ever ex- acceptable. Whereas rebuilding is, is strategic. It's not just, you know, throwing everyone off the ship and saying, let's start again. It's there's some strategy to it. So I definitely think there's a difference between those two. Wonderful. What a debate. <laughs> Speaking of heated debates question two (laughs) two teams in the college football playoffs have a tiger as a mascot the question everyone is asking who would win in a fight a tiger from louisiana or a tiger from clemson south carolina are either of you familiar with the old uh country singer jerry reed no not in the slightest very proud that i don't know who that is (laughs) Well, he, he's, he's an old country singer from, like, the 60s and 70s. Uh, and he has a song uh, about a man named Amos Moses, uh, who was born and raised in the swamps of uh, Bayou Country in Louisiana. And pretty much the entire point of this song is that Amos Moses can wrestle alligators real well. Um, and so just based solely on that and nothing else, I mean, if you look at the... The animals that come from South Carolina versus the animals that come through or come from Louisiana. I mean, alligators are just one of the really <laughs> kind of disgusting, not great, mean animals that you get. And sure, in that song, Amos Moses can wrestle uh, alligators with just one hand, but he's been doing that his whole life. His dad used him as alligator bait, uh, you know, had his arm bitten off. Uh, I mean, he, th- those alligators are nasty, man. So, I mean, you got that, you got a whole heck of a lot of snakes down there. Um, I'm really, so if an animal's going to survive, they've got to be able to survive. They've got to be hardy. Whereas in According to uh, the DNR, kind of the main mammals of the area in uh, in South Carolina, you got uh, some black bears, uh, coyote, uh, possums, skunks, squirrels, wild hog every once in a while. So if we're going based off of how strong, how, how uh, adept an animal needs to be to survive in their environment, I would take a lion... I'm sorry, a tiger from uh, uh, Louisiana any day of the week. I mean, there's just so much more that you have to deal with in Louisiana than you have to do deal with in South Carolina in terms of, of environment and other uh, potential predators. TJ, can I ask a, a, a stadium question? Where, where is this fight being held? What, what's the environment like? It's on a football field, obviously. It's Ooh, college football playoffs. I know, but... <laughs> It, this fight is happening on a football yeah. field? Yep. Okay. Two Tigers on a football field. Battle okay. for supremacy. So I'm thinking just uh, like environment shapes who you are, right? And Noah's <laughs> saying that there's there's alligators and there's, and there's all this. I just think of Louisiana as just like this wet, gunky, 
kind of smelly, muddy place. And if you're from Louisiana, don't even get mad at me because that's right. <laughs> um, so against a tiger from South Carolina. And South Carolina is one of those weird, is it in the south? Is it in the north? It's on the coast, but it's also kind of like Alabama-y. At some, so, you know, it's really hard to, to get a read on that. And I'm thinking the amount of gumbo that this tiger <laughs> has eaten. And I and I think of those southern states and I look at the, the big, loud, boisterous person who's eaten way too much seafood in their life and is just really sluggish. I think I'm taking South Carolina in that just because South Carolina is kind of hard to read. Whereas Louisiana, you know what you're getting. You know, you're getting, you're getting beads, you're getting Mardi Gras, you're getting Fat Tuesday, 365 days out of the year. I'm, I'm going South Carolina. I, I, I don't know, man, though, because with that, that, that's all the people stuff. I mean, if you're an animal living in the freaking wild out there, you gotta survive. And tigers, I'm sorry, if a tiger is able to survive in the bayou, that is definitely not their, you know, their normal habitat. That's not where they're supposed to be. So if a tiger is able to live through that and survive and, you know, get strong enough to fight another tiger, and this is all happening on a neutral environment like a football field, I'm sorry, that tiger from Louisiana, that's just, he's going to be a little bit more scrappy, a little bit more nasty. He's got to be stronger. He's fought, you know, everything from gators to poisonous snakes. And then still you have some of the same wildlife in terms of the mammals. So you have bears, you have uh, other larger mammals that have to survive against. And so I think the, the applying human tendencies, characteristics, and, and society on these animals isn't the, the, the right way to evaluate it. If, if it is an animal versus animal fight, you, you take their environment into this. And I'm sorry, as awesome as it would be to have uh, some gumbo with a tiger in Louisiana, that's just not happening. So Also, okay. I'd like it to be known that's that fair. South Carolina's like most popular food is fried seafood. So... Yeah, yeah. Ah, that, and, and, that, yeah. and that was an, that was another <laughs> argument I had that South Carolina is most definitely in the South. That is, yeah, that's really not yeah, come up on. for debate at all. <laughs> well, no. Well, think about. Have you ever been to South Carolina? No. Okay. When you look at a map of the United States, geographically, South Carolina is in the South. It's it's very much so in the South. But I don't know how this but, is kind of. Are you going to come back it's, from that? It's it geographically. Okay. Geographically, it looks in the South. But if you go to the Carolinas, there are points in Carolina where you're like, wow, I'm in, I'm in the Midwest. There are these huge trees. It's kind of cool. It's beautiful. And then you go to some places and you're like, good God, how are humans living like this? And that's what makes me think that it's like half and half. You know what I mean? Noah, are we aware that there are trees elsewhere than the Midwest? I'm, I've been okay. informed of this. Okay. Also, it's, it's, <laughs> I, it's weird where... You also, know, the, the Midwest the, is very famously known for not having trees. That's kind of our whole thing. And it's the, No, what are you talking about? In the Midwest? The Great Plains region. You can go Dude, miles like, without seeing okay. a tree. Min, okay. Minis- I'm talking northern Midwest. You're talking the north. All right. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Sure. And I don't know. Like the, the United States is historically split into four geographical regions. You have the northeast, the south, the Midwest, and the west. And I mean, depending on, on what source you look at, I mean, there are distinctions in the south to, to, to quantify the deep south. And a lot of the times it's five states. It's Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, and you guessed it, South Carolina. So, parts Wait, of South why Carolina. is Florida not in the deep south? I have a because, question about that. Because it's Florida. We should just chop Florida <laughs> off, let's be real. Yeah. It's, it's not about uh, geography <laughs> at that point. It's about uh, uh, culture and, and the people from Florida. No, it's just, fair. just yeah. weird. Florida. I think, I think gen- we have to take a step back and just look over all that what we're talking about is literally what Michael Vick went to prison for. So I just want to make a, just want to jump in and say this is not actually we're happening. We're not actually and, doing this. This is all hypothetical. <laughs> 
We're just arguing the merits of quality right. of life and other living factors for tigers in environments in which they would not occur naturally. So, <laughs> right. Uh, going into an actual question for Q two, who is who is your pick for college football playoffs? Who do you who do you got winning? I have uh, LSU. I, I they've just been the best team overall. And we, we talked about this, uh, I believe it was on Offside Sports last week, where LSU uh, has had a, a remarkable season. They've had a, uh, their strength of schedule is probably one of the, the toughest that they've had to go through. They've had five wins against top five opponents at the top, at the times of those games. Um, no, sorry, top 10. Um, and so they've had significant challenges throughout all the season and, and they've, surpass them with flying colors so uh plus, so it's not just the fact that i think a tiger from louisiana would beat a tiger from south carolina <laughs> i think lsu is the best team in this college football playoff they're going to be your national champion this year i uh surprisingly agree with noah in that aspect i think uh joe burrow is is the best player in in college football by far um, I think he's going to be a good NFL quarterback. So I'm all in on LSU. I know very little about college football in general, but I like LSU going through. And I'm more excited that Alabama's not in it, but that's that's a different conversation. Yeah, I'm also very excited that Alabama's not in it. I would like to see Ohio State win just because it would be, it would be cool, I think, to have a Big Ten team win the national championship because we've seen the SEC take it, or the SEC and the ACC take it so many times. Um, yeah. But I I think LSU will do it. I think they're just overall the most well-rounded and best team in college football right now. Um, but I think, I think it will come down to LSU and Ohio State, which should be an exciting game because, you know, it's not Clemson, Alabama, like it's been the last 20 years. Yeah. I, th- I also think it would have been just for storyline purposes. I kind of wish it would have uh, that Alabama would have made it, so that we could have had somehow. Now, and this is just wishful thinking, but uh, if Alabama were the two or the three seed, or Oklahoma were the two or the three seed, and we could see Oklahoma Alabama, and to see Jalen Hurts kind of like fight his demons and conquer his demons and go beat Alabama in the final, that would have been storybook, but. You know. Too bad neither of them were good enough. <laughs> too many tigers. In too here. many tigers. <laughs> I don't think there's Wait, such a thing as too many tigers. Who is the other team? It's Ohio State, Clemson, Louisiana, and... Oklahoma. It is Oklahoma. Gosh. Yeah. Man, the Sooners. I I was going to try to uh, like pick you know which mascot overall would win but then i realized one of them is a is a a nut that grows on a tree and the other one is i don't even know what a sooner is so i think one of them is a nut that grows on a tree (laughs) oh wait 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 are buckeyes poisonous oh we might have a sleeper pick that's actually huge from leaves to bark, this is from the columbusrecoverycenter.com blog. From leaves to bark, the buckeye tree is a poisonous plant. If not prepared properly, though, buckeye nuts are toxic to humans, causing symptoms like weakness, diarrhea, vomiting, paralysis, and death. So I'm actually going to switch my pick here and go with the nut on a tree that could kill everything in sight. Yeah, and uh, Sooner is the name given to settlers who entered the unassigned lands in what is now the state of Oklahoma before the official start of the land rush of 1889. So they're the, oh, so those are good they're, people. They're, yeah. yeah, they were also they, known as Boomers. Fun fact. Yeah, which is where the, the Boomer Sooner comes from. The the chant. Interesting. Oh, I didn't know that. Interesting. The more you know. The more you know. Oh, man, this is an educational podcast. You learn so much listening to this show. It's unreal. Yeah, plan- who needs planet Earth when you have Q4? Uh, exactly. Most knowledgeable men on the internet. Yeah, we're, we're, we're talking about <laughs> getting a show on ESPN. Screw that. Give us something on Nat Geo. BBC. 
We oh, will have yeah, a show. Is that special guest David Attenborough <laughs> to talk about sports? Please. That would David, be who's amazing. your pick for the NBA Finals? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Okay, I don't have a I don't have a segue for Q3. We're going to move into it. Q3. Uh, the MLB offseason is hot right now, with the biggest news being Garrett Cole's massive signing with the Yankees. With their pitcher field quickly getting snatched up, who would be the best position player to pick up to have them play pitcher? So we're talking about you know oh. someone who is not a pitcher getting signed to be a pitcher, correct? Yeah. Yep. So really, I mean, there, there are kind of two trains of thought here. Um Actually, no, there's not. There's one. Uh, position <laughs> players, they don't have they, – they haven't spent years building up a pitching arsenal. So really you want the a player with the strongest arm to give you the best shot because uh, I highly doubt you're going to see any position player throw a, a Adam Wainwright-level curveball. So really th- what they've got is their heater. That's it. So I think with that you either want – ideally you want someone in the outfield – uh, maybe someone on third base if if you don't if you can't get that, uh, but based solely on that criteria, nothing else. I think you have to go with Yasiel Puig, uh, just because he is one of the most athletically gifted outfielders on the free agent market right now. Has a cannon of an arm, so that yeah that that's that's what I've got. Yeah, you you know, the took the words arm. right out of my mouth. Yeah, I, I was going to say Yaziel Puig all the way. So was oh I. Oh, my gosh. Dang it. <laughs> oh, well, so man. much for Q3. On to Q4. This, who else would be? I I, um, I don't know. Anthony Rendon might be, might be an interesting pick for a pitcher, you know? He's a great it, it third was, baseman. Wasn't he just signed, though? I, I'm not sure that counts if, if someone's already was signed. Was he just yeah. signed? He, I'm not seeing anything. The Angels. He was he signed, signed to the, the Angels. Angels. Yeah. Yeah. Whoa. For like a thousand years and like a bajillion bucks. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So baseball talk now. Angels have uh, Mike Trout. They're getting uh, the two-way star. Oh, gosh. I'm blanking on his name now. Rendon? No. The pitcher better... From oh uh, oh Oshanti Shohei Otani. Oh Shohei Otani. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, and now they've got Anthony Rendon. Are the Angels going to be good this year? Uh, we've been saying that ever since they got Mike Trout. That's uh, uh, I mean, fair. Yeah. yeah. You know when they when they signed Albert Pujols back in 2012, I was like, oh yeah, you know Trout and Pujols are going to take the league by storm, uh, and they haven't. <laughs> they have not gone to a postseason. Or they haven't had a postseason berth since Mike Trout has been on the team. Uh, so, call me cynical here, I guess. I will believe it when I see it, when the Angels get good. And so, yeah, Anthony Rendon is a fantastic addition to this team. Uh, and I think we'll be able to... Uh, he and uh, Mike Trout will definitely be a, a solid 3-4 in your lineup. And by solid, I mean one of the best, if not the best in the MLB. Um but until I see, you know, a, a full full team performance, until I see every single one of their nine players on the field start contributing, I, I, I don't buy it. I Here's my question about it, and I want to ask you guys about this. Sorry, TJ, I'm kind of taking your, taking your this is point good. here. But um, I don't understand the, the attractiveness from a management perspective of why you want to give out hundreds of millions of dollars over a near decade. I mean, I I just have a hard time thinking that this guy is going to be playing at this level for the next eight to nine years. Well, That's a long time. And and you definitely overpay. You, you pay a premium for any free agent talent on the market, and there there is some level of risk associated with it. And so, I mean... These contracts are really front loaded, and if the front office had their way, they wouldn't be giving out ten-year, three hundred million dollar contracts. This this really is 
the negotiating power that the players have. So uh, on the one hand, it's good to see that these players are making this much money and that they're able to, you know, get these contracts for management, but also, you know, for, for management and for teams uh, themselves, it kind of sucks where you have to spend $300 million on one player and that ties up your cap right. for the next decade. Um, so, I'm sorry. Uh, what was the question? <laughs> well, I'm just. I I just don't understand. I don't understand. Like, why it's is it just good bargaining from the players and their it, and their agents? Or because you look at Mike Trout, arguably one of the best players in baseball over the last. I don't even. I mean, ten years probably could be argued that he's the best player in baseball. But like you said, not even he can bring the Angels by himself to the playoffs. So what's the why not pick up a bunch of pieces? Why why spend all that money in one place? I mean, really, it comes down to being competitive. Where some of these smaller market teams, and I'm not saying that the Angels are a smaller market team, um, but in order to compete with teams like the Yankees, with the Dodgers, you have to be willing to shell out the big bucks because the Yankees and the Dodgers can afford to do that. Um, and so it's, it's, it's a complex landscape of, of what the players want, uh, staying competitive with other teams in free agency. It's just part of, of, of free agency where you're going to pay a premium, and you really are putting, particularly for these, these massive deals where, you know, 9, 10, 11 years, upward of $300 million or more, you're really hoping that you'll get some solid value out of that contract for the first four or five years because chances are production will plummet after that fifth year. And Definitely. in some cases, I mean, if you look, going back to Albert Pujols, uh, for the first 10 years of his career in St. Louis, he was the best player in Major League history. I mean, the the what he was able to do in that decade run with the Cardinals has never been done before. Phenomenal player. And so when the Angels signed him for 10 years, $240 million, they were thinking, okay, well, we're not expecting this transcendent level of play, but we're still expecting a a all-star game level of talent year in year out where Pujols will be able to produce. Uh, but he has not. I mean, it, the last decade has not been kind to Albert Pujols, and so the Angels look kind of dumb <laughs> for giving him that much money over yeah. that much time. Right. Um, so, yeah, so, I mean, like I said before, there is risk associated with it, and sometimes you – you swing and you miss. Uh, but that, unfortunately, is just kind of the, the risk that's associated with free agency. So how we got here, I mean, that that's going to take, you know, a whole other hour to, to get into, you know, the, the progression of free agency. But, yeah, I mean, it's kind of the, the unfortunate circumstance of, of MLB free agency where you're going to have to make some less than optimal deals, and sometimes those are going to come back and bite you in the butt. The thing with the MLB specifically is that there there seem to be kind of two mentalities of attacking free agency. You've got teams like the Yankees or the Dodgers who have the money and they can go out and spend, you know, $100 million right now because it doesn't matter that in 10 years they'll have $60 million of dead money of players that aren't even starting on the books. Like, it doesn't matter to them. They can spend that. And then you've got teams in the smaller markets who attack free agency by picking up the you know, second or third tier guys and just trying to build like a more well-rounded team. Um, I think back to the, when the twins tried uh, the mentality of the Yankees or the Dodgers where they re-signed Joe Maurer and they re-signed him to a massive contract. Um, and by the end of his career, the team, they couldn't build a team because they had so much money riding on Joe Maurer and he wasn't performing because he was old. Um, and I think that really struck the twins and that's why we aren't seeing you know a lot of small market teams go out and get the premier guys in um the the off season which is why you know guys are going to los angeles or new york because new york is going to show out that money for one guy um you know twins white Sox are are doing this as well where it's just you know spending less money on less good guys and just trying to build an all-around team for five years then you know making a gamble and relying on the fact that you have money to waste. Yeah, and maybe it's just my my lack of I don't know, affinity for those big markets, but I just think that's the way to do it. 
going going the the small market way and just having making a team out of it i don't know that just seems so much more rewarding to the players and the coaches to see that i didn't just buy someone good put them in and they were good but like the twins last year i mean that was such an amazing amazing run that they had because of the coaching staff and because of management and because of the players and the player development crew and all that so i just think it's so much more rewarding to go that route but it it definitely is a lot harder for sure man we have that this is a bs question that turned into an actual discussion love that before Uh, before we move on to q4 there there really wasn't a good place to put this in i mean we're talking about mlb free agency uh scott boris is the agent for several uh big name free agents this year already he has signed four of his clients to contracts that total 868 or sorry 878 million dollars in guaranteed money uh, holy it is, smokes. it is very possible by the end of this offseason he could have signed his clients to over a billion dollars in contracts uh, oh he, my his first one he, his client was mike mustakis who landed a four-year 64 million dollar deal with cincinnati uh he is the agent for steven strasburg garrett cole and anthony rendon Oh my so lord! So Strasburg signed for seven years, two hundred forty-five million. Cole signed for nine years, three hundred twenty-four million, and Rendon signed for seven years, two hundred forty-five million. Uh, the uh, three other uh, uh, clients that Boris has uh, on free agency, uh, you have uh, uh, Dallas Keuchel, Nick Castellanos, and uh, Hejin Ryu. And so, oh man, there is. Boris needs $122 million to clear a billion. And most projections, the lowest projections uh, for all three of those remaining players to sign is 133. So it is very likely that Scott Boris will have signed his clients to over a billion dollars. Um, and Jeez. for him, uh, he gets a 5% commission. Uh, oh, oh my so, gosh. What a prick. So he, if he gets over a billion, that, that is $50 million. Oh my gosh! <laughs> that is so much money. Yeah, it's oh it's my a lot. god. That's when, and I don't I don't like to bring this up too often just because it's it's like person it's about my career and personal life. But my my signing bonus was actually fifty million dollars to go be a team. <laughs> so it's I I know what what you're talking about when you bring up these numbers. I just, you know, you it's know just a they, personal You know thing. how these like guys feel, up. right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's just, yeah. It's It sounds about right for my off season. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is just stupid amount. How can you even fathom how much $324 million is? It, you can't. It's ridiculous. That's so I've, much money. I've decided that any number with more than five zeros in it doesn't actually exist. It's not a real number. <laughs> right. It was just made up. To just let us know, like it's a big amount, like that you <laughs> you can't have that much. It's not real. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's that's insane that someone is making that much money. Oh man, maybe I should have worked out a little bit more as a kid. <laughs> We're all thinking that. Don't worry. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, speaking of working out. Q4, I think. Uh, (laughs) uh, So earlier this week, Tom Brady tweeted, uh, me versus Lamar, 40-yard dash on natural grass, but he has to wear rollerblades. Who's buying the PPV? Um, So we're going to answer this question, not who's buying the pay-per-view, but who wins this race? Tom Brady running on natural grass or... Lamar Jackson on rollerblades on natural grass. I think is it, it sorry, was it a 40-yard dash or what was the 40-yard dash? What was yeah. The length? Yeah. 40-yard dash. Okay. Go ahead, Noah. I think sorry. Tom Brady finds a way to sabotage Lamar Jackson's rollerblades. <laughs> so like he grinds the wheels down or ties the laces together. Um, I don't know though. Uh, that that is really interesting cuz I've I've I haven't seen anyone use rollerblades in a long time, and I've never seen anyone use rollerblades on grass before. Um, so I don't know if that would be a, a hindrance or if that would actually allow Lamar to run more like he didn't have rollerblades on. 
because uh, if it were on like solid concrete, yeah, it would be be hard to build up some speed. But I don't know. I think I think Lamar takes that one, man. I, I you just can't bet against Lamar right now. Plus, I mean, so I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I was going to bring the stats up. Lamar Jackson's uh, 40 yard dash time is 4.3 seconds, 4.34. Uh, Tom Brady's 40-yard dash time is 5.28. So when, full, Was that in the draft combine or when he's 42 years old? Um, that was at the draft combine. So he, I guarantee you he is much slower now. Um, so twenty or in 2000, Tom Brady could run a 5.28. Lamar Jackson mm-hmm. now can run a 4.34. I don't know. Ah, uh, that's that's yeah. a tough one. See, my th- I think it depends on if if Lamar cannot trip, if he stays on his feet the whole time, then I think that's a big a big difference. But I don't know. My thing with it is, um, you know how like a good running style is your feet, you know, your toes point towards the outside, right? Like angled mm-hmm. on grass, wearing roller blades with a good running form. The wheels are going to lock into the grass, right? They're not going to roll. You're angling them down into the grass. Lamar Jackson wins this by a mile. He's running on blades all day. Well, so it's roller roller blades, not roller skates. Roller blades, right? yeah. I'm just, hmm. I, I'm thinking about, like, have you ever tried to, to run in snow with skates on? No, why like would you skates? do that? You're like you're getting from the warming house to the to the rink or something like that, or your car to the rink, and it's just or like a frozen pond or something. Come okay, on. yeah, Minnesota. I've done Come that. On. I've I haven't run okay. in the snow though. I've just like walked in ice skates. Okay, well I'm thinking I I think Tom Brady wins this because I think the the roller blades aren't going to catch on the grass as as well as you think. I'm imagining some some slippage here, some rollage, and I think that's really going to mess with Lamar. And like you said, Tom Brady will have scouted and and recorded <laughs> and and pumped up his cleats to the right. You know, every single way of cheating, he will have done it already. So I'm I'm taking TB12 in that one. That's the thing too, because like we we talk about how slow Tom Brady is. Uh, Five two is still a very fast forty yard dash time, and even though he has quote unquote lost his step, I'm sure he could beat most people in in a forty yard dash. Um, oh yeah, the argument is not whether or not Tom Brady is athletic. We know Tom Brady's right. athletic. He and, runs and, a faster forty than I will ever run. But and so Lamar Jackson is. But and, and Lamar Jackson's forty yard dash is in optimal conditions with with optimal running, and so even the the slightest delay in start which i imagine you know once you get up to top speed of running in in rollerblades you know he might be able to do it but it's getting up to that speed um and if it were say you know a hundred yard dash i think lamar might be able to take that one but and and i still think lamar would win this one but i don't think it's it's as as far as as we think it is just because the acceleration that you have to do with the rollerblades that i think would put him at a, at a at a disadvantage for a little bit, it, particularly in that short of a distance. So, I still think Lamar takes it, but it's not nearly as as uh, wide of a margin as as you were saying it would be, TJ. This is this is a good question. I like this. I think it should happen. I'm not going to buy the pay per view, but I'll just see the highlights on Twitter after. Yeah, I definitely That's, I definitely yeah, watched the recorded. Sure recorded version of it oh, yeah 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 um on the topic of tom brady a real question uh uh there has been speculation by nbc boston's tom curran who said that it's it's possible that tom brady might sign with the dolphins in 2020 do we do we have thoughts on that gentlemen i'll believe it when i see it uh i don't know everybody's talking about how there's so much discord in um New England right now and how the Patriots front office and head coaching staff and Tom Brady are, are not getting along. I don't they they've 
had a really good thing going for 20 years now. I I don't know. I, I guess you know, Tom Brady has been upfront that he wants to play until he's 45 at least. And I mean, he's still he's definitely taken a step back this season, but he's still playing at a particularly high level, especially given the fact that he has no wide receivers to speak of aside of outside of Julian Edelman. Um, so I don't know. I think. I think he has every reason to stay in New England. I think New England has every reason to keep him until he starts playing poorly, until he retires. Uh, so as interesting as it would be to see Tom Brady in a in another jersey, like we all had that shock when uh, Peyton Manning left the Colts for the Broncos. I think that'd be it'll be twice as much if we see Tom Brady in anything but a Patriots jersey. Uh, excuse me, a Patriots jersey. Um, so yeah, I will. Uh, I'll believe it when I see it. Tom Brady has to retire as a as a Patriot. I don't think there's any way around it. I don't, especially not to a division rival. There's there's no way he's gonna go to Miami. And I, if I'm Miami, like so, there's a lot to a lot of good things about Tom Brady. I don't even know if I would want Tom Brady if I'm if I'm Miami right now. There's a reason Tom Brady is still so good, and I think it's almost more because of the. Uh, Josh McDaniels and and Bill Belichick with the Patriots because Tom Brady has fallen off significantly and they're not building around him anymore. I I don't know. It's I don't think it's worth it to go to Miami if you're Tom Brady. You might as well go out uh, flying high, get your jersey retired, and and all those things. See what you bring up there, Anthony, is an interesting point which makes me think that he might not stay in New England for the rest of his career. Um, a couple things. He will be an unrestricted free agent at the end of this season. Uh, his contract has been reworked in the past so that he cannot be franchise tagged. It's not allowed. It's in his contract. Um, so it's possible he could decide to go to another team this year. And what you just said, Anthony, where you know Tom Brady's fallen off, but he's working well in the system that the Patriots have designed. And I think that that commentary that is it's everywhere. You know, Tom Brady's just a system quarterback. He's not the greatest ever because he's just thrived in Bill Belichick's system. I think that narrative would be what forces him to go to a different team because I think Tom Brady wants to prove that he is the best quarterback that has ever played this game. And I do not think he can reasonably prove that to, you know, the doubters uh, while still playing for Bill Belichick because everyone who is a, a, a Tom Brady, you know, non-believer uh is is just so focused on the fact that he has thrived in a system and he has thrived in a system i personally think tom brady is one of the best quarterbacks in the league but i think that this narrative if he wants to be remembered as the goat um and i think he kind of does i do not see him being remembered as that without going to another team i I think i think the six rings do the talking for him Honestly, I, as much as I, I don't like to say it, he is the greatest quarterback of all time, and I don't think he needs to prove anything else. Uh, and and the whole idea that he's just a system quarterback is total total hogwash. Um, and and so going back to to the Miami thing, we we talked about it earlier. They're in they're in a, a tank. They're in a rebuild right now. And so I don't see Tom Brady. If Tom Brady were to leave the Patriots. I imagine him going to a team that is a quarterback away from being a contender. And yeah, so if he were to leave, if he were were to go somewhere else, he would want to go to a place where he could win another Super Bowl. But honestly, I don't think he needs to prove anything else. I don't think I don't I don't think he's the kind of guy who wants to prove that. I, I think he feels like he already has. I mean, you play in nine Super Bowls, you win six of them. I mean, this league, these quarterbacks are judged by Super Bowl wins. I mean, there's a reason that Dan Marino is remembered as the greatest quarterback to never win a Super Bowl. He's one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, but there's always that caveat. And so Tom Brady not only has the stats, not only has the the records, he has the Super Bowl wins. So I don't think he has anything left to prove. And really, he has nothing to gain by going elsewhere. Yeah, I want, I want to clarify what I meant earlier. I... I think Tom Brady is is the best quarterback of all time. I I'm saying the system that he's in now is conducive to his ability right now. So, it, like yes, has the system been good to him? Absolutely. 
I don't think he's necessarily a one-size-fits-all system quarterback. I think he could have been really successful had he gone somewhere else six years ago. But at this point, I think they are just their offense revolves around his ability and what he can do. So they've changed it. And yes, they don't have wide receivers who can stretch the field. But I don't know if Tom Brady makes a lot of those passes that he makes six, eight years ago down the field looking at, you know, Dion Branch and Randy Moss all the way down the field. Um, and also, I I just don't agree with what you say, TJ. I don't think he cares what other people think about him. I don't think he really cares if people think he's the GOAT or not. I would say he just... He just goes about his business. He wins, and that's the most important thing. And and that's what's been so infuriating about the Patriots is that it seems that nothing gets to them, and all they do is win. And they just they just keep winning, and they don't really care about what you have to say about them. And that's the most frustrating thing because I want Tom Brady to care, and I want him to go somewhere else, and I want him to fail. I want him to Eli Manning himself. <laughs> that's, what, that's my biggest dream. Because I would love to see him fall and just be and just go four and twelve and be awful, but I don't think that's going to happen. I just think he's too smart to let that happen, and he's going to stay where he knows success will be and and go out on top. Yeah. And to build on that, going back to the uh, system quarterback debate, I think Tom Brady is a system quarterback in the fact that he has been with New England long enough to help build his own system. I mean, he spent twenty years in New England. And so obviously he has had more opportunities than most to, to kind of build the offense with, with Bill Belichick and with, with the front office. And so this team, this, the way that the team works is just as much uh, a factor of, of Tom Brady's contributions as it is Bill Belichick's. And so if he were to leave, yeah, I think he would do worse than he would in New England just because he has spent 20 years building the system and you know having one head coach that throughout that entire time they know how to game plan to Tom Brady's strengths and they can they can you know adapt and overcome some of the the challenges that Brady is having as an older quarterback now uh and so uh, Anthony you said it you know what six or seven years ago when Brady is still in his in his prime yeah he could have gone anywhere and he could have done what Peyton Manning did leave the the Colts for the Broncos and, yes. and become a Super Bowl champion yep. I, I think that's it but I think at this point in his career Tom Brady is still playing at an elite level but he only plays at an elite level in New England he's still going to be good wherever else he goes but I don't think he's going to have the same levels of success anywhere else outside of New England Right, and even even Peyton Manning towards the end of his career. I mean, I was a huge Peyton Manning fan. I believed in his ability, and he went to Denver, and his first, because uh, he was in Denver for, was it three, four seasons? I don't remember exactly. Um, but his first season, he threw for, he had the passing touchdown record. He, was, he threw seven touchdowns in his first game. I mean, it was just, he was throwing the ball all over the field. And then by the time they eventually won the Super Bowl, he handed the ball off way more than he threw it, and it was all about the defense. It wasn't about his offense at all. He just needed to score 14 points a game to let the defense do the work. So I think Tom Brady takes the same path as Peyton Manning does. You have to understand that the ability is diminishing. Uh, They're not the same quarterbacks they used to be. However, they still have the same in-game mentality. They still have seen literally every single thing you can throw at them. So would I want Tom Brady managing my game in the fourth quarter? On the field, absolutely. But I don't know if he's a guy that makes a huge comeback throwing the ball down the field. It's just He's just different than what he used to be, and the Patriots are accepting that and, and thriving on it, frankly, at this point. And, and say what you will about the Patriots' uh, uh, season this year. where Tom, Tom Brady is, is leading the offense as best as he can, but they've had an, an easier schedule. They've had a great defense. And so, I mean, really, it is kind of mirroring uh, – Peyton Manning's last season in Denver, uh, where yeah, obviously yeah. I, uh, Tom Brady hasn't declined as much as Peyton Manning has. I mean, in what was that 2015? Manning just did not. He, it looked like it pained him to throw the football, and Tom Brady is still throwing the ball oh my God, well. Yeah. Uh, but there, there is some of that decline, so the team's building around him. So going back to what what both of us have been saying. Tom Brady is succeeding because of the system that he's in. Yes, because he helped build that system. Um, 
and I think he would be good elsewhere, but not great. And I do want to say something about the system quarterback thing. It, it's my opinion that every quarterback in a way is a system quarterback that if the offense is not built around them in a way that helps them succeed, they're not going to do well. If Lamar Jackson didn't have an offense that allowed him to run, if, you know, Kirk Cousins doesn't have the play action bootleg, if, uh, you know, countless other Patrick Mahomes doesn't have the players that can stretch the fields and run weird routes. Uh, it's <laughs> it's every quarterback has has a system. And I think I think Tom Brady has his system um, and it's it's been working. Uh, a follow up question about Tom Brady is that he is 42. He believes that he can keep playing uh, for, you know, forever, essentially. Uh, how like we're expecting the New England Patriots to offer him a contract at the end of this season. How big of a contract do they give him and how long does he continue playing? I think 45 right now is is the cap. I mean, that's what he said he wants to play to. Uh, and his play is declining to a point where I think in three years it might look like Peyton Manning from 2015. So I, I think the Patriots give him, uh, I don't know, maybe a two-year contract. I mean, he. I think Tom Brady has has earned uh, uh, the the faith in the front office. Where if if Tom Brady says he can play another three years, you believe he can play another three years. So give him a two year contract, have an option for you know a third year, uh, and then see where it goes after that. Yeah, I I agree. It's with Peyton Manning down the stretch too. He was just after his his last season in Indianapolis, coming off that neck surgery and and figuring out things there and then he had a million different ankle and quad and hand. he looked like he was constantly in pain <laughs> and tom brady is in a just has had a better body than peyton manning has in his final years so i agree with noah i think it's going to be maybe a one or two year deal and I, frankly i don't think the gms really care about if he wants to play till 45 or not they just start with a one year or two year contract and say if you can still do it, if we're not going seven and nine, then we can keep going with it. If we are, then we need to stop and and take another route. But I I agree, the greatest player of all time has kind of earned his his say and to do what he wants for sure. Yeah, I I have nothing to add to this debate. I I am interested to see. What happens? I'm interested to see if he goes on to be the oldest player in the NFL because he just never gets touched. Um, I don't but, think he ever will be the oldest player in the NFL because it doesn't seem like Adam Vinatieri is going anywhere anytime soon. <laughs> That's yeah, fair. How is yeah. that dude still kicking? That's ridiculous. Although it's weird. We've seen him kind of fall off a cliff here too in terms of performance. And I mean, he's out for the season with an injury. So who knows? Maybe this might be the end of Adam Vinatieri's career. Yeah, he, does he have the most points in he NFL does. history? Yeah, he, he has, has to, yeah. right? Okay. Uh, yeah, he is the... I believe he's the oldest active player in the NFL right now. Um, I think so. I although think it, right. it goes to show, too, where uh, the 10 oldest players in the NFL right now... Or, sorry, the, the, the top five are Kickers and Tom Brady. <laughs> you have Adam... <laughs> That does. Yeah, Adam something. Vinatieri at forty six, Phil Dawson at forty four, uh, Matt Bryant at forty three, Tom Brady at forty one, and Sebastian Janikowski at forty. Seabass. Nice. Uh, following. Uh, so to finish out the top ten, you have John Denny, the long snapper for the Dolphins. He's forty years old. Drew Brees uh, is forty years old. Uh, Josh McCown is thirty nine. Uh, is Jul- Julius Peppers isn't still active? Is he? I thought he retired. I don't. I don't think so. I'm looking at the same yep. list, and I don't think he's okay. still in the league. And then you got Eli Manning. So, I of that list, you know, you have kickers, long snappers, uh, two of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, and Eli Manning. <laughs> okay, thank you, thank you. <laughs> Put Josh McCown up there, right, right next no, to Tom the, Brady. Josh Brees. McCown and Tom Brady are the greatest things to have ever happened to the uh, upper upper Northeast. <laughs> uh, to, to make it clear, <laughs> I was talking about Drew Brees. 
No, you yeah, weren't. Josh McCown. McCown. Josh McCown. Greatest quarterback to ever play for uh, everyone. 48 everyone. NFL teams, <laughs> yeah. Playing for every... His goal was to... Uh, beat Ryan Fitzpatrick, but I think Ryan Fitzpatrick has him has him beaten. What is it? Ryan Fitzpatrick has 20, 20 different teams he's thrown a touchdown for. Or thrown a touchdown to. I think that includes his pick sixes, yeah. but... Yeah, I was going to say, I think it's something with he's thrown the most interceptions for different teams or something like that. Uh, well, that's, that's all we have for today, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, from everyone at Q4... It's been a pleasure being in your ears. That was weird. That was, <laughs> that was really okay. weird. I don't, wow. I don't like that. I don't, I don't know how to... It's been a pleasure coming through your, your headphones. No. I don't, <laughs> <laughs> Not any no. better. I, I honestly don't know how to say this. It's been a pleasure podcasting for you. Is that is yeah, that acceptable? Is that fine? Yeah, ex- God, no, no, sure. acceptable. Uh, goodbye, everyone. <laughs> 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 <laughs>